I want to write a book about Burl, who was sort of the essence of integrity and honesty and fairness for himself when he was reporting, but also he insisted on it from his reporters. Hi, and welcome to the Journalism Salute. I'm Mark Simon. In each episode, we'll talk to or about an interesting person or organization related to journalism. The intent is to show that journalists are not the enemy of the people. Thank you for listening. On this episode, we're joined by Jane Wolfe. Jane is a longtime journalist who has written three biographies, the most recent of which is titled Burl, Journalism Giant and Medical Trailblazer. It's about Burl Osborne, a prominent journalist and newspaper publisher who had a distinguished career at the Associated Press and the Dallas Morning News. Jane, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So before we get into the book, we always ask people at the very start of our interviews to share the story of your journalism path. Okay. Let's see. I started working, my first job was at the Dallas Morning News in 1981. I mean, I had internships before that, but that was the first real job. And that was just the beginning of the Dallas newspaper war between the Dallas Times Herald and the Dallas Morning News. And I went to work at the Dallas Morning News and it was a very, very exciting time. Burl Osborne had just come from the AP to run the news, to be the editor. And so let's see, I stayed there until I think 1985. And then I wrote a book about a family from Texas called the Murkisons. And then I came back to the Dallas Morning News as society editor in the early 90s. And I did that for, I think, three years. And then I left again and wrote another book. And that's basically all of my newspaper experience. But, but I did write these books. And I also did a lot of freelance writing after I left the news the second time. So with all that time in the journalism industry, the writing business, what are some of your career highlights? Oh, gosh. Well, I was given the beat of Highland Park, which is a very affluent area of Dallas, that the morning news was trying to capture those readers. And so they sent me out to do stories in Highland Park. And there were not a lot of great, big, breaking stories in Highland Park. And so I had to find things that seemed, you know, newsworthy. And one of the stories I found out was about a, a, a pecan tree that had typically been lighted during the holidays. And, but this year they just determined that it was dying. And so that made it on the front page of the Dallas News. And that really was the, I mean, that I couldn't believe it because I thought it's crazy. I mean, how much they want these readers that they're going to put something about a dying pecan tree on the front of, of the Dallas Morning News, but they did. But you said career highlights, or did you say journalism highlights? Uh, career or... highlights is fine. Go ahead. Well, I think just when the books were published, those were great highlights, because then I reached a lot more readers, I think, than I ever reached. Well, I probably reached more readers in the morning news, but it was such a short story most of the time. And with a book that's 400 pages, you make a greater impact. And so that was one of my highlights. Yes. So when I get someone in the business who pardon me, is a little bit older, more experienced. I like to ask this one because it's instructive for the younger people that listen. What's the best example from your career of learning from a mistake? Oh, gosh. Well, one of the first stories I was sent out on at the morning news was to cover a fire in a town outside of Dallas. 
And so I did, I covered the fire and I got back to the city desk and I wrote the story. And then the city editor came over and yelled at me and said, what are you thinking? And I said, what's wrong? And he said, you didn't tell me, you should have called in from the scene to tell me that two children died in this fire. And I should have called in from the scene because then it would have been a front page story. And I mean, instead of just an inside the front section story, and so he was very upset with me and it was a big mistake. And I learned a lot from that. I learned that if there's a big story that you're out covering, you've got to call the desk and tell them what you've got. And if the child dies in a fire, that's a big story. So let's transition to your books and specifically to this book about Burl Osborne. What's the origin story of the book? Well, his, his widow, Betty Osborne, came to me and asked if I would be interested in writing his biography. And I, at the Morning News, did not know that much about him. I mean, I knew some, and I had heard that he was a medical pioneer, that he had had one of the first kidney transplants in the world back in 1966. And so I knew that there was, a, there was some interest in the story, but I didn't realize how much. And then I started researching the topic, and I thought, this is great. It's, it really is a book. So, but it was also, it also happened at a time when there was, these new words had come into the vernacular, such as fake news and corrupt journalists, and, and, and the press was really getting hammered badly, and still are today, but that was the first real big hammering that I saw taking place in quite, in, in quite a few years. And so I thought, I want to write a book about Burl, who was sort of the essence of integrity and honesty and fairness for himself when he was reporting, but also he insisted on it from his reporters. He had hundreds or maybe a few thousand reporters and staff and editors, and, and he insisted that these people really stay away from bias, that they, that they write stories that were neither one way, neither right nor left, that were just honest and truthful and, and accurate. Now there's so a I thought that's the story I want to write. So there's a journalism component to this. There's also the medical component to this. Yes. Can you educate us about the medical, the medical marvel that he was? Yes. Well, so it was one thing. I mean, it was great enough that he climbed the ladder at the Associated Press and went from running the tiniest bureau in the Associated Press pool to running the largest, to being managing editor in New York. At the same time that he was having this fabulous career, he was fighting kidney disease. And it was discovered in, in him when he was 12 years old, but he was able to manage it somewhat until he was about 28. And then he started running into trouble and went to a hospital where they said, if you will do home dialysis, and we, they had never, home dialysis didn't exist before this point. If you'll go home and work on the dialysis machine yourself and do, do this yourself, we will let you into a program that because we don't have enough beds at the hospital. If you do this at home, you can be part of it. And that really saved his life. If he hadn't been able to do that, he would have just been sent home to die because he had terrible kidney disease. And he, but he did that for about two years and then had a transplant. And the transplant was successful. And he lived for 25 years with a transplanted kidney from his mother. But from day to day, he never knew whether the kidney would, the body would reject the kidney and he, so he kind of lived every day to the fullest. And his idea of winning a day was winning the, the battle between the UPI and the Associated Press early on, and then later winning 
between the other newspaper in town. So you worked for his newspaper. What experience did you have with him as a person back then? Well, I didn't have a lot of experience with him. I mean, he was the editor. And yes, he would occasionally come out and ask reporters about stories. But for the most part, he didn't come, you know, I didn't. Basically, I saw him in the hallway and said hello. Now, when I was society editor years later, then I saw him at parties. And I he would be out socializing and doing, you know, partying with his wife. And I would see him and we would chat then. And then I, be, I got to know him a little bit better then. Is there anything about his earliest days in journalism that is particularly instructive? I think just the fact that he went to Marshall University in Kentucky. And I think he had a great journalism professor there who said, you, if you play it down the middle and you're you're really accurate, you know, you're really careful about being correct in your reporting, not just getting the facts right, but being truthful and honest. And if you follow this, you know, set of principles that the, this professor had, then I think that you will do quite well. You'll not only, you know, do the right thing, but you'll also be very successful. I think he learned a lot from that one professor and he carried that with him the rest of his career. If I can ask just to take that to, to your end, who have been some of your mentors in the business? Oh, gosh. Well, the city editor that yelled at me about the uh, not covering the fire correctly, he became a mentor to me. His name was Stu Wilk, and he was really tough. But he taught me a lot about the business, and he, he taught me so much about how to not only how to report, but how to act when you're out on a story. And I really had not, I mean, most people don't start at the Dallas Morning News as their first journalism job. And the way I did that is my family owned the Columbus Dispatch in Columbus, Ohio. And so when I wanted a job not working at the family paper, I talked to the editor who was a good friend of Burl's. And so that's how I got the job in Dallas. But I was really not prepared to be at, at a newspaper at that level. What, what what were some of the things that overwhelmed you at that point? About about the about the very beginning of your career. Well, just the deadlines. I, I think because I was the lowest person on the totem pole, they gave me the worst schedule, and so I worked like three to midnight, five days a week, and it was just it was not it it was not easy. I think they made it really hard on me too, but I but, survived. Yep, going back to Burl. Quoting from your book, it would be very difficult to separate the Dallas Morning News from the soul of Dallas. We certainly watch over and report on the institutions of Dallas. At the same time, the news is a Dallas institution. That is a fine reputation, and we're glad to have it, but that kind of tradition imposes on us the responsibility to look out for the interests of the entire community, as well as our own narrow business interests. That's a quote from him that's in your book. There's a lot in the book about how Burl viewed both Dallas and competition in journalism. Can you articulate what his views were in putting together a paper that was the soul of Dallas? Yes, I think he cared a lot, a great deal about how people perceived the newspaper. Um, he insisted that, well, when, when the Dallas Morning News won the newspaper war against the Dallas Times-Herald, and the Dallas Times-Herald one day announced in 1991 that it was closing, Burl was insistent that the, the reporters and editors not be high-fiving and congratulating themselves and acting celebratory, because after all, a lot of people had lost their jobs that day. It was a great thing to have won the newspaper war, but it was a sad thing that one of the papers was closing. 
And I think he really, he said, the way we act when the morning, when the Times Herald closes and the way we're perceived as acting and, and handling this will be with us for years to come. And he was right, it really was, because the morning news was trying to get the readers and advertisers and and just the whole community that had not been with the morning news up to this point to come on board and to support them. And so I think that's one instance in which he showed that he cared so much about the community. Another time, at the end of the 1980s, Dallas was in an economic slump, but so were, so were other cities around the country, but Dallas especially was really hard hit by the oil price drop and real estate prices had dropped and banks were doing poorly. And Burl got together with his, um, with the editor of the editorial page and said, let's find some ways that we can do things in Dallas to improve the city, even though we're not city council. I mean, we can't vote on these things, but we can, we can be sort of an advocate through the paper that these things happen. And she, she picked a few big, a, a few big ideas that would, would really help the city and, and all of those were implemented. And so it was a, it was a successful strategy. Can you convey what it was like to work at the Dallas Morning News? And I say that having worked with some people that worked behind the scenes, I think as editors at the Morning News that went on to work where I worked and they like, they were in the highest regard there. What was it like? Well, it was very exciting. I mean, because the, it was during the newspaper war and every story counted, you know, on both papers. And so you would go out and, I mean, in the beginning of the newspaper war, reporters from both papers were getting together at, at this bar called Joe Miller's every night after work. And they were all fraternizing. They were having a great time talking about the stories they were working on. And one day the managing editor called in the reporters at the Dallas Morning News and said, you've got to quit doing this. I mean, these people are your enemies. We're trying to beat them with their with our stories. We're We're supposed to be competing against them. And so he laid down the law and said, no more getting together with reporters from the Herald. So it, it was exciting. So they instilled in reporters this view that, you know, every story you write matters and it's going to be compared to the story that the, that the Herald had. And so it was really, really exciting. Now, the Herald reporters were given a lot of leeway to, to write beautifully and write long and write creatively. Whereas at the morning news, there was this feeling, as, as I said, that Burl loved accuracy. I mean, accuracy was so important to him that everything had to be attributed to someone. I mean, and it got in the way of really beautiful flowing writing, but that was the difference between the two papers, one of the differences. Do you have a favorite section of the book? I think when Burl was on dialysis, the dialysis machine early on, when he was trying to do it at home and it kept breaking and it was really a really primitive machine and how they dealt with that was interesting to me. So I want to talk about book writing process because that's certainly journalistic okay. in nature. And you've written now three of these. What is your process in terms of doing the research and perhaps use, using Burl as the example for that? Okay, well, I do a lot of interviews. First, first person, I mean, firsthand interviews with, I mean, I think for Burl, I did a hundred interviews. And I find that if you get really good information from interviews, then all the other stuff, the, the, you know, the letters and 
oh gosh, medical reports and all the other things that I had access to are less important than the interviews. Since several of Burl's good friends were no longer living and people that he was he had competed against were no longer around, I had to go from, you know, research through old stories and letters of his and and he saved everything, which was really helpful. What's your what are your methods of organization? Oh gosh, I'm not very organized, but <laughs> I love the researching part. So I mean I, I can spend a lot of time, you know just studying my notes and and asking questions and and having fun with that. I do not like the writing part of writing books. I think it's very difficult. But you've written and three. I've written three, I know, but it's it's not easy. And so when I'm in the middle of writing a book, I mean, everything else just kind of falls to the wayside. I don't pay attention to much else. And it can take a really long time for me to write. How long a chapter? How long did the, the did the book take you to do? Well, it took about a year and a half, which really wasn't that it's not too long, but um I could have written it in less time had I not put off the writing for so many months. I kept promising myself that I would sit down and write the next day and then I wouldn't do it. And finally time was running out and I had to do it. So what were the highlights in terms of the process for writing your other two books? The highlights? Yeah. Well, I think that the other two books were very similar to Burl in that, well, they were both like multi-generational biographies. So it had three and four generations in both of those books. And it was a little more broken up with legal battles and family fights and things like that. Burl was, was easier in that it was just one person that I was profiling. The highlights of the others were traveling with both families to their various homes around the country and in Mexico and just getting to see a, a real clear view of the life they live, both families. What's an example of a situation where with these books you had to ask a tough question? Oh, gosh. Well, with Betty's, well, with Burl's book, his, I was interviewing well, I interviewed both his first wife and Betty. So Betty Osborne is his widow and his second wife, but I also interviewed the first wife and finding out, you know, why they split up and, and what Betty thought of, of Lou and what Lou thought of Betty was a little bit touchy. I mean, you have to be very careful how you handle. That was probably the biggest, the biggest challenge on the Burl book. How do you handle something like that? Well, I mean, I, I basically just said, I, I said I had to be honest and truthful in both. And I, I couldn't not mention the first wife. She was crucial to his his life. I mean, she even if she hadn't been crucial to his life, I would have had to mention that he was married before. And and I think Betty understood that, but not not totally. So how do you weigh trying to introduce him to people who didn't necessarily know him, like me, to the to the level of specificity that's in this book that certainly intrigues the people who know him well. I I guess when I mention the book to people, they say Burl who? I mean, I've never heard of him. So that's that is not so surprising. But then I think after once I give them a little bit of his background, I mean, just on the flyleaf of the book, the you can see the you can see just a brief description of him. I mean, I can I can tell you why it's an interesting story in a few sentences. 
but most people are because I had written two other books that that both sold very well and a lot of my friends and family and acquaintances knew about when I lived in Dallas they everybody knew about those two books they didn't seem to question you know why is she writing this book about this person that we haven't heard of they just kind of assumed well if Jane thinks it's an interesting story it probably is because the her last two books were interesting what what advice would you have for someone who wants to write a biography Oh boy, it's it's more than just stringing a bunch of newspaper articles together. I mean, people say to me, well, isn't it just like writing a much longer profile that you would write for a magazine? Well, in some ways it is, but because there is so much to remember, what have you written about him? What haven't you written yet? Just organizing it in your mind and keeping track of everything and what you've already put down on paper and what you haven't yet, is is can be really challenging. I would say, you know, it's it's more than just if if you say to yourself and somebody said to me, well, I've written uh, several magazine profiles and and those come to four and five thousand words. Well, this is a hundred thousand words. So that it's more than just four or five profiles. It's four or five profiles plus a lot of filler in between. <laughs> Are you someone that that writes? I was when I did the book that I wound up doing five, six years ago, the, the advice that I always what got was I wrote a book about the history of the New York Yankees. Oh, interesting. The advice that I got from literally every author that I talked to in preparation for doing it was just do a little each day, a little each day and you'll be fine. Yes. Yes. Uh, so that that's what I'm asking about. Is that how you approach writing it? That is how I, I, I finally approached it. I mean, yes, after putting it all, after putting off the writing for some months, I did just sit down and wrote some each day. And then it doesn't seem, I mean, then obviously then it becomes less of a, a chore and more of a, just a, this is what I expect to do today. And I'll feel good or not about it by the end of the day. So besides Burl Osborne, we always ask at the end, is there a journalist or journalism organization that you feel is doing particularly great work that you would like to salute? Yes, I think the, the the journalism school at the University of Texas is really good. I think they, I mean, aside from the fact that they're interested in having this book, I think they, just what I've heard from, from students that have gone there and gone through the program, it's a great program. So I salute them. All right. The last word then. What would you say to people with regards to wanting to purchase the book? What what a selling point essentially for them? Well, I would say that it's a great rags to riches story, and it shows you that even with medical, even with a handicap, you can still become, you can still become the best that you could be. I mean, I think in some respects, I think that Burl probably was motivated in part by his illness. I mean, that helped him do so well in as a journalist because he wanted so badly to stay alive and to and to succeed. I think it was partly because of the illness. And so I I would say it, it's a really moving story and it makes people feel good about humanity. Jane Wolf. The book is Burl, Journalism Giant and Medical Trailblazer. You can find it wherever books are sold. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Journalism Salute. Please let us know what you think of the show. You can find us on Twitter at JournalismPod, and you can email us 
at journalismsalute at gmail.com.